Welcome to the Shark Pod, the podcast that explores business and lifestyle design in Ireland and beyond. And now, live from Greystone Studios, here are your hosts, Luke Curry and Mark Baker. What is up, Shark Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Shark Pod. We are back. We've the the Shark Nation out there. Mark has spoken. They want uh, weekly episodes. They uh, we got some. I don't want to say hate mail, but I got some emails saying, "Kind of guys, you know, you were uh, you were a lot more consistent for the last two years, but we're back, and we're going to be uh, making sure that we commit to uh, one a week, and we're getting back on track here." Uh, Mark Baker is joining us out there in Glenageary. Mark Baker, how are you doing? I'm very good, Luke. How are you? I'm fantastic, fantastic. Delighted to have our guest here, Lisa O'Reilly. How are you, how's it going, Lisa? Yeah, great. Thanks, many for having me. Great to be here. Thanks, De- a million. Delighted that you're here. We're, we're talking about all things real estate today. And me and Mark have a lot of interest in that, obviously, being uh, from Ireland and just obsessed, obsessed <laughs> with getting getting the land you, you know it's it's hard to it's hard to over <laughs> overstate that but why don't you tell the the people listening like what your company does and kind of just give it a little bit of frame for yourself and then we're going to dig into your, your your background and all that good stuff yeah great so um i founded uh, law property solutions and um, this company um actually it invests in property effectively so it raises private investor finance um, invest that in property, um, adds value to the property, say, um, and then refinances through the bank and thereby paying the private investors back. Um, so therefore, like the private investor can get a great return for their money, much more than what they'd be earning uh, through the banks. Um, and then my side business then as well um, is a training. So I'm giving training now in property investing and how to invest profitably and with minimum risk uh, in Ireland. Okay. Um, so I found that there's plenty of training in this uh, in the UK for which I attend kind of twice a month. I go to the UK twice a month, uh, but there's very little training um, in Ireland. So um, I've seen a, a gap in the market and um, I, I want to kind of educate people so they don't make uh, really expensive mistakes. Yeah, fantastic. Because it's so, so it's, a, it's a weird kind of niche that you found then because you'd imagine that uh, people, that, I think that the kind of obsession that we have in Ireland about property and, you know, get our hands on it. It's more about somewhere to live for ourselves rather than uh, like in- investing. Um, and I think that you would imagine there'd be lots of uh, training like that. But if that is a gap, it's great that you're you're providing that service for people because there are people out there like me and Mark who are looking for a way to to invest. Like I, every every month, like I've got my, like last year, Lisa, me and Mark sat down and we said we need to get our money right. And we need to have people on the podcast who uh, can tell us about investing, about all different um, like uh, philosophies around investing. So we had someone that was like uh, like the the fire move, but another financial independence retire early. Uh, Michael Houghton, who shut who shut down his podcast to focus on his family, which is great. But uh, we miss we miss his contact out there if you're if you're listening, Michael. Um, and then we also had people that were doing investment clubs and all these types of things. So me and Mark over the last year, we really set up our our uh, investment strategy in a very kind of like automatic way. Um, and so every month I'm doing this, I'm just thinking that there's one glaring gap here. Um, and that's kind of the real estate stuff. I've got the stocks, I've got some other stuff. Um, so so how did how did you come across this, uh, this where did you come, come into property? Because I know before this you were a financial controller, accounting, that was kind of your background, right? 
Yeah, yeah. So um, last year, um, I was full-time financial controller working, you know, up to 50 hours a week, two two kids and a full-time job. It was it was hard going. Um, I decided to, uh, um, I had to do some something. I kept on changing jobs every maybe two, three, four years. Um, so I, I like the whole change aspect um, and, and kind of, you know, developing new systems and that. I got to the last job and um, I decided, no, do you know what? I, something's got to give. I've got to do something different. So I read um, a couple of books and then um, Robert Kiyosaki's book, actually, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Highly recommend that one. Yeah. Um, and that one just kind of like sung to me as such, you know, um, and it told me all about, um, you know, how I should be, how I should have an asset base. So, yes, I had a very decent salary. Um, but if anything happened in the morning, um, that salary would be gone. Um, and effectively, I was trading 50 hours a week for that salary um, and chasing down like a, you know, maybe a two, five, two to 5% salary increase, maybe a bit of a bonus. I was just like, this doesn't actually make sense for me anymore. Um, so I, as I said, I read the book. It put me onto um, um, into property. So I said, right, I'm not going to go health level and invest in property. I'm going to get myself uh, educated first. So I read a couple of property books. I realized that there was actually training for this in the UK. I've never heard of like property training. Um, so I did uh, did a few kind of online property courses. And then I realized there was actually a really good guy um, based in the UK, but he's from Ireland. His name is Kevin McDonnell. And um, he's uh, pretty big now in the UK. He's got a multi-million uh, pound portfolio. Um, so I said I have to follow him because yeah. he's he's got the obviously the UK knowledge and he's still over in the UK but he would have a very good um Irish knowledge as well. So I followed him over now and I do um, my mentorship, my training, my um I do like a public speaking course now as well through Progressive Properties, which is um, the company that he's affiliated with. Um and yeah like the the stuff that they teach you um is is great. Uh it's the thing is, is that I can only take about 60% of the knowledge over there because obviously about 40% of the knowledge isn't applicable to Ireland. Yeah. And um, so they just, they just telling me what to do. And I, I ask loads of questions and we go through it in detail and I've just come back and I've applied all of that knowledge. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. Like it works, you know, you follow the system and it works. <laughs> Lisa, this is such a, such an amazing story because me and Mark are always talking, we were actually talking about this the other day, Mark, we were, we were saying that, I had a had a team meeting in uh, in work, and one of the kind of icebreakers that we had was we went around the room and said, "What's everyone listening to podcast wise?" That type of thing, and uh, the, everyone was listening to the same types of podcasts, lots of entrepreneurship stuff, lots of that kind of you know that type of vibe. Because I guess they're all salespeople and stuff like that, so you'd imagine that's the way. But I I wanted to go around the room afterwards and say, "Okay, any hands up who's applied any of this knowledge that you uh, that you." actually you know has acquired through these podcasts or what's the obsession that we all have with with entrepreneurship in theory but in practice it's it's a completely different thing it's like uh i, f I just find uh, find it really interesting but you the the keyword there that you've brought up was you applied it with the application of the knowledge is where the where the rubber meets the road you know and uh yeah. so so fair play to you for that but lisa sorry Luke, lisa do you think that it would have gone as well or you'd have given it as much effort or been as passionate about it if you had a kind of kept your job and dabbled in it. Do you think for you, 
it was kind of all or nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I'm like, if I put my mind to something, like I would be very much like that. It's, it's kind of, you know, all or nothing sort of thing. Um, and it would be, yeah, it'd be difficult to do this. Like I'm sca- scaling up at a speed that I wouldn't be able to maintain if I was in a full-time job. I would uh, like being in a full-time job, you can certainly do like one rent, one investment property a year for sure. Like, um, you know, um, but it, the the speed at which I'm scaling up at, it wouldn't have been possible with uh, being in a full, full-time corporate job. Um, so last year then I decided, uh, late last year, I decided to give up my full-time corporate job and uh, just just go for it. Um, now, very the diff- what you were saying there, Luke, about, uh, you know, the difference is taking action. I suppose all of these ideas are great when you listen to them on podcasts and all the entrepreneurial books and all the rest of it. The, the, the action piece is the piece where you actually get out of your comfort zone. So, for example, I would never have posted on social media ever before. Like, I would have done a few of my kids' birthdays or, you know, yeah. checking into an airport if I was going to Spain or somewhere. Um, but I would never have, like, shared my life on, on social media. Yeah. I go over to the UK. They tell you this is one of the things you have to do. You need to post nearly every day or every second day or whatever it is. Put the word out there. So I had to kind of really jump out of my comfort zone and do it. But again, the process works if you just follow it. Like you might not get immediate kind of reaction from it, um, but it does work. You're also getting a lot of people say that would have been friendly with you in the past. All of a sudden, they're, they're not liking the new you. They're not liking this, but that's okay too. Yeah. You know, yeah. that that's fine. Horses for courses, you know, and you, you've just got to kind of jump out your comfort zone really. And. That's a really interesting. There's there's two th- two follow up questions. One, uh, well, I'll, I'll start with the, the second one first. With the people, was it just kind of like uh, people thinking that this is like kind of slagging you for putting these uh, these posts yeah. up and saying like, or you know, one of the I was saying to this Mark one day, uh, and it was actually a mistake in the end. But my wife got put up this picture years ago, and uh, someone put up a, a a laughy cry face under it, and yeah. she was like, that that bitch I, i'm never talking to her again like that's that's like you know bullying do you know uh, yeah. but it was actually uh, a mistake but anyway my point is people it, it, did you how did that make you feel when you got that feedback was a little bit like oh or did you want to double down and say you know i'm going to go for this anyway what, what was the feeling there so the great thing about the mentorship over in the uk is they tell you like even if you don't get any likes even if you you know or someone puts up uh, like a hateful comment or whatever it is um you know it, it, it's all good. Like, so you should embrace the, the people that love your content. You should embrace the people that hate your content because effectively, as long as they keep on like kind of commenting, um, it's pushing up your, your posts and eventually your post will get to the people that actually want to listen to you. Yes. So you're serving, like you don't expect to serve the mass. Like you're not going to serve the mass and people are going to get annoyed with me and they're going to be sick of looking at my post that's fine. They can just scroll past it. I don't care about that. All I care about is the few people that actually want to learn um, and are open to learn because I don't want those closed-minded people. I want the open-minded people, you know? Absolutely. And me and Mark found that when we started the, the podcast, like we've, we've put not a lot of work into this, but we've done over 100 episodes now, you know, and it's been a, a great part of our lives. But, you know, we got a got one one-star review and some some stick on, uh, on the Apple reviews. And I, I read that and I was like, 
what did I say that you know at the at the very beginning, Mark? I was like, who do you think that is? What's, what's <laughs> this is? There's loads of five star reviews and stuff, and I'm like, I don't know. I you know. I know. I guess I know who that is, Mark. That's what I was saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I'm kind of used to that. Like, and I don't get too much negative stuff, but I, yeah. I put all my artwork up for years on social media you know but not everybody's gonna love it you know some people there's one behind luke there some people might hate bono and just be like i absolutely hate that painting so you can i was kind of used to it and so i've I've definitely developed a thing where i actually i just put stuff up and i don't i almost don't i probably should but like i don't take much notice of, of likes as much as i should because i know you gotta you gotta be balanced um with, with the negative stuff and the positive stuff and that's the same with investing i'm sure and that's the same with sales it's the same what i do um it's keeping that kind of level even keel and it's hard to do because you're excited especially like i get excited going to work luke will get excited when he makes a sale where you kind of have to bring yourself back down again because it's not always going to be you're not going to be buying the you're not going to have success with every single property you know um have yeah. you found it ups and downs and how do you manage that Oh yeah, for sure. Like, uh, like more so than being in the corporate world, being in the entrepreneurial world and going out on your own. Um, and a lot rides on like what you do during the day and, you know, what, you know, basically you, a lot more rides on me now. Um, you know, you do have to roll with the punches, like, uh, because in the corporate world, like if you're having a bad day, you still turn up, like you might not do too much during the day, but at the end of the day, you're going to get paid. Um, and then there are days then where, you know, everything's going well for you, your boss kind of maybe brought you in and patted you on the back. And, you know, but at the end of the day, in a corporate world, you're more or less kind of, I call it like stable, but miserable sort of thing. That was the way I was anyway. Yeah. Um, stable, but, but this, miserable. I, lo- I love that. About, I think yeah, stable, but miserable. Yeah. It's, it's like the, so I think I was on Joe Rogan. Or so. I heard somebody say uh, most people are living quiet, our lives of quiet desperation. That's a lot of, that's a, yeah, yeah, that's people. the way I was living. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I was just getting excited every kind of couple of years when I was like, when I was jumping jobs. But yeah. Um, yeah, so then with this now, yes, there are a lot more highs and a lot more lows. And you, I've done a lot of mindset work. I've done a lot of kind of personal development work uh, where I like if something kind of crappy happens, um, you know, I just have to kind of take a step back and realize, you know, it's not all bad. Maybe this is happening for a reason. Um, and like, I have a motto now. It's like, you know, you, you live and then you also learn, like, and you can win or learn. Like, I, if something doesn't go right for me, it's just, there's, it's a problem and I've just got to find a solution for it. Um, and it's not like, um, as if like the world is going to come collapsing down, you know? So, but it is, yeah. I had to learn that. And because it, the, the highs and lows in, in this type of game is, it's not for everyone, you know. It's interesting as well that you, you kind of you talk about it like a game, and you say the the highs and lows. And I, what me and Mark have we've interviewed a lot of people on the Shark Pod, and something that keeps coming up is like people really only remember the wins, you know, um, in the long term. Like if we, if, you know, Katie Taylor, Olympic Olympic champion, you know, boxer from Ireland. Um, no, she also lost at the Olympics. No one introduces her as Olympic loser. That doesn't. It doesn't matter. Like no one's ever going to say that. Um, yeah. So, it, it, as long as you're kind of aiming for the the bigger win, I think that you'll be okay. The um, it, it, can we go go into a little bit of the mechanics of how investing with law uh, properties works and what what that would look like for somebody just out of interest as somebody who was a, an investor. How much do they need to get get involved? You know, what's the what's kind of the meat and potatoes of that? 
Yeah. So um, I've raised over a million euro now in private investor finance. So um, what I've done so far is the, the private investor would put up um, more or less all of the value of the house. Um, and you'd be surprised about like how much money is actually out there. Um, and they're just sitting in the bank earning no interest and even sometimes negative interest, you know. Um, and they're just mad to do something with it because they know that it's earning no money, but yet they, they don't really know, you know, what to do with it. And stocks and shares can be very volatile, especially at the moment, like, you know. Yeah. So I offer a, um, a solution whereby um, you put in the money, say, um, and I would buy, a, I buy it in a certain area. I call that my golden area. Um, it has to be either below market value or it has to be a bit of a dog really and need need some doing up, need some refurb work to bring it uh, back to a, a nice state. Um, so then I buy it with the investor money. I do it up uh, with some refurb money. So I have my building team kind of um, behind me um, and then get my tenants in. And then as soon as I have my tenants in and I'm showing some rev- like rental income, I then refinance through the main main banks in or you know financial institutions in, in Ireland and thereby pay the, the investors back. So all the way through the time when the investor has their money in with me, they're earning like a, a, a fixed, guaranteed monthly um, return on their money. Um, and they then they get their full capital back then at the end of the agreed term. So typically, some investors um, are investing between one year um, up to three years is what I've got so far. Um, the shorter the term, like if I need the money more quicker or, you know, I need it at a you know quicker rate, say, I, I could give a, a higher rate. Um, if someone is happy to put the money in for a longer term, like we can just negotiate the rate depending on what the investor requires. And then at the same time, then um, the private investor then will get um, first, depending on how much they put in, they'll get first charge on the property. So what that means is it's a security that similar to the banks, like what the banks do. So the banks will loan to you, but they will take a first charge on the property, which means that I could not sell the property. I couldn't do anything with the property without the, say, the the lenders say so. so, whether the lender is a bank or whether the lender is a private investor. Uh, they have full security then in in the property and the whole idea is that um i add value to the property so therefore when i go and get the finance from the banks they would tend to give like you know 65 up to 75 percent loan to value but because i've added to the value of the property i should more or less pull out all of the investor money from that one refinancing deal Um, and if i don't then there can be a conversation with the investor as to look do you want to still leave in that 10 grand in the deal and you still can keep a, like earning a return on it or uh, do you want that money back and then I can find it through other investors then and refinance them fully out so okay. um yeah okay so it's, it seems like it seems simple enough actually when you explain it and also like the the like the long term kind of outcome for you and your business then do you kind of end up with these properties kind of in the long term or yeah, so that's yeah, the so, it's like a holding company then of of the properties, is that? Yeah, so I have a company and that would hold the properties uh, forever on. It just you're replacing one lender uh, with another lender. That's effectively what I'm doing. So I take the risks and the rewards of property ownership. 
Yeah. And the private investor just um he just has the kind of guaranteed uh return on his investment. So he's put in say a hundred grand, he knows he's gonna get back X every single month and then he's gonna get his uh capital back at the end of it. Class. And then over over the long run as well, like you'll obviously become more expert in this once you've done this over and over again your team will get better i guess you'll maybe become even more ambitious with the projects you take on and stuff like that and uh i can really see this being a long-term thing and how yeah. how much more exciting on a scale of one to ten is this than your your corporate job oh, <laughs> off the scale <laughs> no it's just it's, it's there's no comparison like um i i can control basically everything that kind of goes on within the like I can control what's going on really in my in my world. Um, I can say yes to opportunities. I don't have to ask permission uh, to take uh, time off to um, you know to do anything. Like if I come up with an idea, like I can test the water and just you know what's the worst that could happen. Let me just test it out, see how it goes. Yeah. If I was in the corporate world and I wanted to test something out, I'd have to go through X amount of levels of hierarchy and. And sometimes people didn't appreciate my all of my idea, my great ideas. They were great to me, but yeah. the, the the lack of appreciation of ideas is something that that we we talk about a lot in the in the corporate kind of roles as well. I think sometimes in corporate positions, I'm, I don't know if you came across this, but you can see things that aren't worthy really working that well, but it's just the way things are, and we're just going to keep on doing that because no one is the owner of that problem or they don't want to admit it or I don't know what it is but I think having control over your destiny is something that's worth a lot and I think Mark oh. Baker when you're I think that's one of your favorite things about being an entrepreneur isn't it yeah and it, it look it's, it's a kind of a double-edged sword at times with the highs and the lows but like everything I do has a I can do it straight away but it has a it can have a positive or a negative reaction so it's, it's kind of all on you which is it suits my personality type. I can't take orders from people. I find that very hard. Um, I wasn't combative or anything like that, but I just... Passive-aggressive, Mark? Is that the... <laughs> Maybe I was passive-aggressive. <laughs> but look, uh, yeah. So yeah. I that's why I was so interested when I saw you doing this because I, I just saw parallels to, to my career. Um, but uh, really, really interesting. And it is something that me and Luke probably haven't really got a full understanding of the ins and outs of it. So it's really interesting to see how it works. So from from your side, say if, say if somebody, say if I never spoke to you before, never did any courses, tried to do this, is that so, I would imagine that's so silly and dangerous, you know, as opposed to actually the difference between what you know and what the average person knows now. For sure. Like, um, you know, we, we're not so long ago from the crash that we don't remember it. We do remember it. Now, that was a completely different circumstances um, as to what's going on now. So some people are saying, oh, there's going to be a crash coming. I can feel it. It's the same as um, it's the same as before. It To me and to most economic economists out there, it's not the same. So back in, in the day... Um, they back in when the crash was happening like banks loaning up to 100% mortgages you know there was just such a availability of credit and finance and you didn't have to earn too much of a salary and it was it was crazy I was a trainee accountant for example at the time like in 2008 and I applied for a mortgage and like I got a stupid amount of a mortgage on a trainee accountant salary and and like I hadn't even qualified so 
Um, lucky enough, I did qualify um, afterwards and, you know, my salary did go up, but they didn't know that at the time. So it was really reckless type of lending. And um, But the thing is, is that we've, like, Ireland's a country that's after learning from that big time. Like, they're only lending, like, for buy-to-let mortgages, they're only lending really 70% um, loan-to-value. So they're really kind of, um, and and it's harder to get finance now as well. So, you know, and as well as that, um, with the, the housing crisis that we've got in Ireland at the moment, you know, just simple law of uh, supply and demand, you know, I cannot see a crash coming anytime soon. Um, the, the, I think, what was your question again? I'm sorry, I, I kind of went off piece. Oh, yeah, but to kind of uh, to invest with no knowledge um, is, in my eyes, ridiculous because, like, with shares, say, you could test the water with maybe, you know, you know, 500 euro, and it's not going to be the end of the world. And you can kind of, you know, put in smaller amounts. But with houses, the monies are just so much higher uh, that you're putting in into a property. Um, so the standard way of investing would be uh, to, if you had savings, you'd put 30% deposit down and then go to the bank and the bank will loan you the 70% for the, for the property. Um, but from my perspective is that 30% can be anywhere up to kind of, you know, 60 grand. That's a lot of money. So I wouldn't invest anything without getting educated first. Now that could just be, you know, me, uh, but I just think it's crazy if you don't get some bit educated, even if it's just reading some books, uh, listen to some podcasts, you know, there's pretty free information out there. Um, and but I'd spend time looking at some of those of you are thinking about investing in property, you know? I think yeah. I don't think it's just you, Lisa. I remember we had uh, Gavin J. Gallagher on the on the uh, podcast. For, oh yeah, great uh, guy. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I I kind of pitched an idea to him where I was going to like soak up some of the extra cash that the tech workers have and like go build some apartments and stuff. And then he set up. I think on li- live he said, "Luke, don't do that. Like, you're going to lose yeah. all their money." Like, <laughs> it's yeah. like Gavin, you're not seeing the big picture. You know, I was just trying to impress him, but I think it because uh, I was a little bit of a, a little bit of a fanboy when he came on and Mark wasn't here yet, and I was like, uh Gavin, um, glad, glad to have you on. So, so uh, hopefully that didn't come across in the, uh, in, the in the recording. George. But uh, so, Lisa, where, where do you see where, where do you see this business? Where do you see this business in like ten years time? Is this something that's going to be? Are you still going to be working primarily in, in Ireland, or does this kind of model work better in the UK? So you're going to have to kind of break in there. Is it easy to break in there if you don't live there? Where do you see it ten years from now? Do you think? So just in the terms of the property investing business, um, we have a massive opportunity here in Ireland. Um, so I go, do go to the UK twice a month and I'm listening to all UK people. And there's first of all, there's lots of UK people doing what I'm doing, which is buying like kind of older rundown or below market value houses, doing them up, etc. So there's loads of people doing that in the UK. Plus there's like kind of maybe about five big training companies over there actually teaching you how to do this. Um, and it's much more widely accepted that this is, you know, this is a, a profession. This this can be a career for you. Yeah. Um, over here, you don't you don't tend to hear anyone that calls themselves a property investor. Um, you do have those big developers like the likes of Gavin and the likes of kind of those big building developers yeah. who like kind of take a piece of you know a green field and put lots of houses on it. You do have that, but what you don't have over in Ireland, or you don't have too many of them, is People do what I do, which is, you know, buying a house at a time, refinancing, going again, finding private investors, like for existing houses. Um, so, yeah, so there's there's a massive gap in the Irish market. Um, and what that means is, is 
there's there's opportunity like this is why i say ireland is a land of opportunity right now because um the the yields that you're getting from the property that, that you can get from property in ireland um can be double digits and like way ahead of what you can get in the uk because there are so many people doing it in the uk um so yeah and also like this right now my like my golden area is my my county waterford say uh, or city of waterford um but like island in general is just there's so many more different areas to kind of explore but yeah then for sure like to diversify my risk um i have a couple of kind of um uh, potential ventures uh, and joint venture partners with with some guys who's doing what I'm doing in the UK and then similarly they want me to kind of um, help them and make a joint venture on some deals in, in Ireland okay. um, but yeah like joint ventures kind of um, would be would be the way for me that I can see scaling the business um, because obviously I'm one person like um, I'd rather have 50% of a lot more than say 100% of however many i can do you know and um, so yeah sure scaling the business um, sorry Lisa, you mentioned your your golden zones um in obviously that's where you know uh, waterford i'm sure that's kind of local areas that you know how does someone identify a golden zone yeah so um they talk about um like just say on a scale of zero to ten like bronx to manhattan so in, you don't really want to be investing down in like Bronx because you're going to have a lot of social issues, social problems, kind of like drugs, maybe, you know, and tenants could, there'd be a lot of kind of tenants maybe um, on like social um, and, you know, you won't, the, the yield won't be there because of that and you're going to have social problems. Um, and then uh, similarly, then you don't want to be investing, say, in the likes of Manhattan because the prices are just going to be like sky high. Um, and the rental income won't, um, you know, won't m- merit the return on, on a really kind of high value property. So overall, when you look at, say, Ireland as a country, you want to kind of be investing in, like, say, uh, between three and six. So kind of just above the, the social housing issue, like, you know, those kind of poorer rundown areas, but not yet at the really posh kind of um, high money areas. Um, and the reason being is that you want... Um, you want to have lots of renting potential. Lots of tenants can go there. Very few tenants can actually afford to kind of rent or buy in the in the nicer areas. Yeah. And very few tenants will actually want to rent in the crappier areas. Um, so it's good to get that balance. And it's just kind of in that affordable area. And another thing to look out for as well is um, like investing in cities as opposed to out in the countryside. So obviously we're in Ireland, we have an awful lot of countryside. Um, and you might see a lovely house kind of down the road um, in the country. Look, you're not really, you know, you've got to think of your exit strategy. And if you want the banks to refinance you, or indeed if you want to sell it and flip it on at a profit, you know, you're, it's going to be less people that would be in the market to buy it. And similarly, the banks will turn around and say, uh-uh, they want, in order to kind of put a mortgage on a property, they want a population of about 50,000. Um, so, yeah, it's all about kind of, City centres, in and around the cities, um, not to kind of, city centre locations tend to do pretty well um, because they do tend to fall into that kind of, into that nice little golden area. And at the end of the day, the golden area is wherever you can get the yield and the return on investment. They are two key metrics, you know. Very interesting. And and the prices, would they tend to be kind of lower level prices uh, rather than, you know, half a, spending half a million on investment properties? 
Yeah. Well, you can spend a half million on mm. investment property as long as you're going to get the return for it. Mm. So, mm. you know. But is there a bigger, you know, bigger risk, bigger reward type of thing? Or can you, would, you, would it be safer doing, you know, more kind of multiple cheaper homes? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, you're right. Um, so I'm, I'm starting off kind of doing in and around between purchase price of between 90,000 up to 160,000. That is right now, that's what I'm doing. I'm putting in between maybe no money for refurb and anywhere up to 60 grand in refurb. So they're the type of monies that um, I'm, I'm doing right now. So I'm, you know, I'm trying to, you know, minimize my risk by taking on the lower end properties they are giving me the return I require. They are giving me the, the yield I need. Um, but yeah, it's, it's you know, I, and when I'm looking for private investor finance, it's obviously easier um, to look for, for that level of money um, as opposed to the higher money. But like my, my plan for the future, I'll probably like not get bored of this, but I'll realize that I can actually leverage my time and the money much further if I do take on the bigger projects. Mm. So, yes, I'm sure, like, by this time next year, I'll definitely be thinking about the bigger projects. But right now, I'm happy to keep on rinsing and repeating so that I kind of get to be a bit of an expert in what I'm doing um, first, you know? Yeah, no, that makes sense. One thing I feel, well, personally, and I feel a lot of people will be the same, that that puts them off is not having any kind of construction knowledge or how, how to fix you know, how do you even identify if a house is a fixer-upper if you don't have that kind of knowledge? How, how have you felt? How have you got over that? Or maybe, I don't know, maybe you've built houses. I don't know. Um, but how do you know what to put, how much it's going to cost, all that kind of stuff? So I recommend, uh, so what I, I, my dad's a builder, um, and but he works full-time. So I would go into, initially when I was first doing it, I'd go into the the property with my dad and we'd work out how we could maybe add an extra bedroom. Um, that, that would be a main one for me is adding an extra bedroom um, or how we can get an extra bathroom in or, you know, we need new floors, that the floors are crappy or whatever it is. So I go around with my dad and I kind of try and work it out. But I And then I would then get the labours in myself. So I suppose um, I would, I built my own house, say, or I, I project manage my own house maybe you know 10 12 years ago and so like I'm no expert but I would know I kind of you know how to talk to builders I make sure I get the builders paid like the individual trades paid really fast because these guys you know they don't necessarily have great cash flow management so if you're the one that's going to be paying them on time they're going to make sure that they're answering the phone to you um, I would also then make sure that you um, budget an extra 20% into the cost, especially for your first couple, um, just for contingencies, because you, you, you're you probably going to get it wrong um, and or you're not going to get it right at the beginning. Um, and prices have gone up. Um, so like now I go into properties now and I kind of just give, um, like I, I take my little notepad in with me and you know new floors in the kitchen and new kitchen you know and I built up my own price list from my previous job say so that's how I go in now to, to work it out but initially I suppose it would be um to if there's anybody you know in the construction trade at all that you're happy to pay like a fee for um like even a quantity surveyor you might know quantity surveyors you might know an engineer you might know um someone that's kind of in the, the an electrician someone one of your mates one of your friends 
as long as you're, you know, fair, fair's fair, you give him a fee and he'll come around with you for the first couple and he can, um, I say he, could be a she, but, you know, obviously, um, it's, we're still kind of a bit in the dark ages, but, like, he can give you a really good idea um, and he can actually then project manage it for you if you want, like, um, or you can project manage it yourself. I like to project manage it myself so that I can um, kind of get a good understanding of, you know, what's needed and what will be needed for the next one, really, you know. Very good. You can see how, going around to all these, trying to find the, the right project to do for, for the right kind of inputs that to, to kind of hit the numbers that you're looking for. I can kind of imagine that taking up a lot of time, but you know, so working uh, like Mark saying at the beginning, keeping a corporate job and doing it, you know, properly, it really doesn't seem feasible. Is that, would that be, is that what you spend most of your day doing? Kind of going around to. Uh, yeah. So, um, right now I've got four deals, say, that I'm, they're going through legals at the moment. So, um the time yes not really looking at properties to be honest um it's more so um you know when these four come through legals uh it's going to be project managing getting the the build going on them and so that's going to be a lot and i'm kind of uh, oh god so anyway i've got myself um a a new builder i'm going to give him a try um, I'm going to give him a go on this one house, um, and if it works out well, he can, you know, he can obviously have the next couple of houses. So I'm yeah. hoping that he's going to kind of turn into a bit of a project manager for me, as well as like the, the main builder. And hopefully, if I have enough work for him, he will more or less just work for me. Say, yeah. uh, so it's creating that kind of, you know, win-win for for both of us. And but, no, in terms of like kind of looking for properties, you if you put the same search in day in day out you become an expert like don't keep on changing your searches so go into daft.eu put in like i'm looking for um maximum 150 grand in whatever area and keep on just putting the same searches in and you'll see the ones that are still there and the ones that are are, are new the wider you put a search in in daft the more you're going to get coming back to you and like a lot of them that you can just rule them out just have your kind of your avatar house say your ideal house that is going to work for you and just put the same search in and look every night and you'll see one or two might come on the market per week um so no it doesn't take an awful okay. lot of time um Interesting. You know? and so the i know that so there's two things you're doing now one's the the property investing the other one is the training maybe what like what can people expect from going to a training with you is it still over zoom is it is it in a uh, a room what's the what's the kind of setup and what's the the content so actually, it's my first uh, training event. Um, yeah. So the first one is going to be by webinar over, over Zoom. Yeah. Um, it's this Saturday, um, 19th of February. Um, it's going to run from 9 o'clock until about noon. Um, so I'm busy at the moment putting together the slides, the you know the handouts. Um, you also get a book, um, uh, which is Property Magic by Simon Zucci. It's one of the first property books I read. Um, and then there's going to be kind of, because it is my first one, there's going to be some kind of early adopter type bonuses. So, um, you know, I can, I'll jump on a, a Zoom with someone kind of and uh, give them some advice. And I don't know exactly, right now, I don't know exactly what, how, I, I've got lots of information to give, yeah. but I don't know exactly what format I'm giving it out in yet. I've still got to work that piece out. So um, I put out there that I'm going to do this this training course um, and 
I, most likely I'm going to be doing some sort of training course going forward and more of it. I just don't know exact, exactly yet what I'm, um, how, how that information is going to kind of come out. It's only interesting because I was at this, uh, at this training during the week and it was being run by, um, this, this Irish, uh, woman. I think it was an American company that had booked in, but it was a, uh, it was like an hour and a half long and it was real powerful stuff, Mark. I don't ever, ever go to like a, uh, like a, what was it on? It was on, um, it was on executive presence. Like how, how do executives act? How, do, what's the, how do they, how do you kind of sell to these people? What, what the kind of, what's the, what's the, the tonality and stuff that you should use around people who have a lot of responsibility and that type of stuff. And, um, it was just, it was just really good. And I just thought to myself, there's, there's levels to the game of training. If if you've got a good eye, like it wasn't that even the delivery was particularly, like it wasn't a fancy presentation or anything. But, you know, it was just it was just really good information. And when we kind of left the training, it was over Zoom as well. And um, we left training, we were all like, "Yeah, that was really good. That was a good way to spend ninety minutes." <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so anyway, so I'm just I'm, I'm all about training right now. But um, okay, cool. So you sent me Lisa. You sent me a a link to Tony Robbins's course how much was that luke that you're thinking of uh, well i wanted to get something nice for mark right yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah i said yeah you know, he wants you to walk on hot coals yeah me and mark we, we're, we're big tony robbins fans i said okay you know, one day me and mark would go to fiji uh and do the real thing right but while oh, we're the, the mentors actually that i go over to in the uk um so these are pretty you know established like well established guys now they're all driving ferraris now and and all of them, they've all been to like kind of rock Tony Robbins or Grant Cardone or, yeah. you know, they've all kind of had, and they've had serious mentors mentoring them. Like it's, it's amazing in this entrepreneurial world here, uh, self-development, personal development, mentorship, uh, coaching is so important when, when you're in this world now. And I'm a, I'm a massive fan. Um, I'm a massive fan for training. I'm a massive fan for having a mentor. Like I, I, I my mind is just blown by you know what's out there, and um, um, you know, but you do need that support. Like, I think it's it's there's such a thread going through all of our guests on the the shark pod, isn't it, Mark? It's like so. Mm. Tony Robbins is a big one. Um, there's been some other ones that Mark just can't get on board with. We're I'm a big fan of uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Mark, I try to get him to read the book. He won't do a podcast on it. If, if leave some messages in the comments if you want to hear that uh that podcast with me trying to, <laughs> trying to convince. Have you Mark. ever heard of him, Lisa? Dr. No, Joe no. What's his name? Dr. Joe Dispenza. You have to say doctor because it really gives him a little bit more. Uh, is yeah. he a doctor like Dr. Dre is a doctor or is he an actual doctor? Well, he's a chiropractor, Mark. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> by trade. Uh, and, and, and there's another guy, uh, Dr. John Dimartini. Um, have you heard of him? No. No. Yeah, he's uh, yeah he's a, a big, big American kind of uh, guy. Now he's, he's really interesting to listen to as well. It could be a good one for your podcast. But I'd say, um, yeah, he's highly sought after. It's one of those things because I was actually going to ask you a question, but I, we, uh, I, I got off topic when you were talking about the the, uh, the social media stuff. And I was wondering, because there's, there's another theme that comes up on this uh, podcast and it's tied into Dr. Joe Dispenza. So Doc, Dr. Joe is all about, um, you know, creating from the field, he says, right? So, you know, it's all about vi visualization. The more you put out there, you're, you're going to be acting in the present as if you already have the vision that you're projecting and because the kind of pressure's off or whatever you'll kind of you'll take the action you need to get there um, i think there is something in there he goes in a little bit too much into 
the kind of magical stuff, which, you know, it's, it's too much for me, but, um, or is it Mark? I don't know. Sometimes I call Mark. I'm like, I'm loving this, you know, if I'm, re- <laughs> if I'm reading a book here. But, uh, uh, my point is, uh, when you said that, um, you're putting stuff out on the, uh, on social media, I wondered, do you get any connections with anybody who's seen what you're doing and kind of is on that same, like, has any, has anything come from that from a business point of view? Oh yeah, for sure. Like the amount of opportunities now that's all after coming about from, uh, social media, putting my word out there, putting the, um, the content out there, um, private investors, uh, just kind of, you know, they start, we start the conversations through social media, um, and we have a couple of conversations and we get to know each other through zoom and yeah, and that's how I've been getting my, um, some of my private investors, like it's, it's, it's amazing. Like. And again, Mark, this is at least is out there proven the, the magic that's because we, we had a guy on our podcast called Norman Crowley, who, um, if he, he's like the Elon Musk of Ireland and he sold uh, 700 million worth of business uh, businesses and now he built a new business that makes 200 million a year in revenue and uh you know he puts a, his ele- an electric engine in his Ferrari and stuff really interesting guy and uh me and Mark were saying because he used to he had casinos all over Asia and all he had, like he's had all these amazing experiences and uh me and Mark were saying like how do you kind of change from being uh he had a welding company at the beginning and then he went into all this technology and stuff and uh he said what i do is if i have a business idea i tell everyone i could possibly uh you know come into contact with i put it up on every every interview that i do i let people know that's what i'm that's what i'm doing and he said the magic is that starts to attract the right people to make that happen and he said and that's kind of what you're doing with the with yeah. social media. That's what I feel like that. It's like you're putting a flag up to say, this is what I'm doing. I don't know how I'm going to do it yet. Um, but uh, in his case, someone will just come in and say, oh, yeah, I'd love to work on that type of project. And I know somebody else who does, you know, the funding for that. Or, And I think yeah. that it's a little bit, you know, he, he called it magic, Mark. I know Mark was like, that's just, that sounds like networking. But I think, you know. It's the secret. <laughs> it's the secret, Mark. It's the secret. <laughs> no, I agree with that. Though. No, I do agree. Putting it out there and then. You're not put, I don't believe in necessarily putting it out to, to a universe. I mean, putting it out to people and then people will make things happen. Um, yeah. But I, at least I'd imagine, like, I always, I think that getting getting the capital, getting the investors would be would be one of the most difficult things. Is it one of the most difficult things? Or maybe it's not, I don't know. Yeah, so, like, they, it's just like this, like, we have the conversation, they kind of, um, they want to know a little bit about me, about kind of, you know, what I what I can do, what I have done, what's you know my past track record, um, and they just kind of I suppose it's all about building relationships with people. If if they see you're not trustworthy or you you know maybe you're a little bit nervous or you know I I am who I am say and that's the way I come across and I and I hope I come across to everybody sort of thing and I'm very open and very honest. Um, and so I just think some people just uh, possibly like that. Plus, it probably helps that I'm an accountant as well. Um, that probably gives me some bit of credibility. Um, but yeah, like it's totally uh, agree with this whole kind of, you know, just have the conversations with people. When I was in the corporate world, like, you know, if I was, I, I remember going on the train once with my sister. And there was a guy who tried to chat to us and I just put my paper up. I was like, I'm not talking to this guy. Like my sister was a social one, let her talk to her. I would never want to talk to kind of anybody. I'd just be like, get the head down, you know, what's the point of me talking to people? Um, but like since I joined this world and realized how important it is to actually start talking to people, I realized I, sp- I probably realized I've got a bit of a skill at talking to people and getting people to kind of um, 
you know, listen to me and um, and that. So yeah, I'm trying to develop that further. I am doing some um, some more training on kind of public speaking and um, and that, not just to get investors, but also to kind of like stand up on stage. I'd like to do some kind of public speaking gigs as a as a side hustle as such. Um, so yeah, I, like I'm just saying yes to everyone. I just want to have a conversation with you um, and get to know people and see where people are at. And um, but yeah, no, it's. Uh, it's yeah it's, it's not easy getting money like say I, i'm not getting investors knocking on my door every single day and i would have a conversation with someone and it might you think it'll go nowhere um and you think it's gone nowhere but that's fine um and then all of a sudden then kind of you know a couple of weeks later a month or so later they're, they're, they're emailing or texting you or kind of you know linkedin messaging you to say can we have another catch-up maybe um, so then, you know, oh, I thought there was nothing come out of that, but you know what? Something may actually come out of it, and something actually did come out of that there lately. So that was really good. I, I think there's a lot of people who don't realise they they could be investors. They think that oh, I'm I'm not an investor. You know, what would I know about that? Like Luke's in tech. There's a lot of people with cash on the hip in in, in tech. They probably don't know what to put it in. Like, what would be the typical profile? Is it regular people? Is it you know professional? investors who who what what is the kind of profile of of that people should expect if they're doing this from an investor can it be anyone yeah. and everyone family friends so if you first like when you're first starting off in this in this game say um or in this property investing world say um you need people to know like and trust you that's the people that will kind of invest in you they need to know you like you or trust you um so initially it can be easy to start with friends and family um to get you going once then, and, and like to get going, you only need 30% of the, the value of the property to get yourself going. Then like once you've done that one, then you can kind of do your, a business plan or, you know, um, to show what you've done in the past. And all of a sudden then you're, you're a property investor. You've only done like maybe one or two, but all of a sudden you're a property investor. So now you, you're gaining more credibility. So now you can actually go to, you know, start putting it out there and start talking to say more of the professional type investors um and show them what you can do and you can be more confident in, in what you're saying um but no um there is no kind of you wouldn't believe there is no such thing now as old money well obviously there is but there's so much new money out there now and like you said the people in the tech you know the you know there's other industries farmer industry you know tech obviously is a massive one there's so many people out there now with new money and you know, we don't get educated on investing in schools or in college. It's not something that we're educated in. And most people think, do you know what? Let's either save it or oh, we'll just put it into a pension. Now, I'm a bit controversial about pensions. I'm not, um, uh, I, there's not too many pension advisors that um, would uh, would be very uh, uh, liking what I say. Um, so in relation to pensions, um, it's all well and good for the wealthy, for the people to use it as retirement planning, great. But for the ordinary Joe Soap who's going to work every single day, you need to put in like 20 grand per year to get, uh, I think it's, what did I work at? You need to put in 20 grand per year for the rest of your life, for the rest of your working life to get 40 grand back out per year at the end. And that's even if the stock market's going in your favour. They say, oh, it's good because it's um, it's tax-free. It's tax-free on entry, so you get tax deductions, let's say, on entry. But on exit, you're only getting 25% tax-free. The rest of it is is taxable. Um, plus, you've got to wait for 30, 40 years to get access to this pension. 
Um, I'm personally, I'm I'm just not a fan of like say the corporate pension scheme. Um, but I suppose it's just because I've changed my whole mindset about money. I'd rather have my own pension and control my pension through my properties. Um, but pensions are great for say the high net worth individuals for retirement planning and for sure I'll be using them like kind of later on in in life when it comes closer to my retirement yeah um but yeah no I'm I'm when it comes to kind of pensions I kind of go against the grain a little bit I'm I'm like why like keep your money and invest like get yourself educated don't put your your um knowledge into a pension necessarily into a pension advisor um you know maybe educate yourself a little bit start talking yeah. to people what's out there like especially you know, these there's days. more out there these days there's more knowledge than ever before the internet's just gone crazy like you can find out anything information's free now so why wouldn't you educate yourself a bit try and get yourself a bit more educated therefore you can get a better return um and you just take control of your own financial security rather than leaving it up to you know the all the pension companies that are out there it's especially the so, so yeah for me we and mark like last year we set up the we set up our investment strategy and stuff like that and what i found as well i, I hated the idea of not being able to access it so i've gone down a, a road of um investing in like a investment trusts in the uk uh for the most part yeah <clears throat> and that's that allows me to have a kind of a mixed bag but also lets me have more speculative stuff if i want and there's no kind of deemed disposal uh for etfs and stuff like that and I, like we have in ireland where they every eight years they just exit tax you at 40 percent, whether you've sold the asset or not that's that's such a crazy. scary thing to me that's a crazy thing but anyway um the so the the takeaway from today's uh episode is really if there are alternatives to pensions there are, are, are alternatives to going it alone um if people want to learn a little bit more uh, where can they uh where can they reach out to you what's the how do they how do they get in contact yeah so i am on linkedin um lisa o'reilly and also law property solutions i'm also on facebook again under the same names um and i haven't yet ventured into instagram yet and uh i do have an instagram account but i, I need to kind of get going on some of the other platforms um but yeah so i'm 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 available for a dm for a chat with anybody if anybody wants kind of a bit of advice or you know see what i do basically um and yeah good to chat with people really absolutely and one more question before i go would you prefer a shark pod t-shirt or a shark pod mug oh. <laughs> i get i have a mug I'm always drinking tea. <laughs> Lisa, we'll get that. We'll get that Thank on the mug out to you guys as you. soon as possible. Thanks very much for joining us today on the Shark Pod, and best of luck with everything. Let's have you on in ten years as well, when you've got that uh, massive portfolio and uh, where me and Mark should have invested with you. <laughs> right. Thanks, amazing.